1: She's playing.
0: What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. We have a very special Believe in Syracuse episode for you today. We are talking Syracuse football NFL draft prospects, and we have a special guest to go through four players who are on the radar of NFL scouts. That would be Linebacker Mikkel Jones, offensive lineman Matthew Bergeron, defensive back Garrett Williams, and running back Sean Tucker for the 2023 NFL Draft. Now, some of these guys have eligibility and could return if they elect not to come out After this upcoming 2022 season, but if they all do, where are their prospects right now? We are going to talk to Ryan Roberts from RiseAndDraft.com, who also covers Notre Dame for the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. And you can find him on Twitter at RiseAndDraft. That's R-I-S-E-N-D-R-A-F-T. He breaks down NFL draft prospects as well as anyone I've seen. Very well respected scout. I think he does a great job at evaluating players' um, skill sets, upside, weaknesses, um, projections, all of those types of things. And so it's going to be great to get his perspective on where some of these Syracuse players stand heading into the season. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all of the latest odds news and sports developments for the nba playoffs major league baseball fights and nfl futures bet online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs including live betting and the fan favorite vegas casino and poker games it's really easy to get started head to our website and use your mobile device to sign up using the promo code BLEAV, that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts Ryan Roberts now joining the program. Ryan, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm good,
1: Mike. I'm good. How's everything
0: on your end, man? Everything is great. Um, I, I follow all of your draft stuff. I, I always follow um, draft analysis. I want to know who my Philadelphia Eagles are drafting and how good they are or not good they are. And if I should be mad at the GM or excited about a pick and all of that. So I read and listen to as much draft stuff as I can all year round. And and you're one of the best in my view. So I, I think it's it's good to have you on. And we'll talk, you know, even though the 2022 season hasn't happened yet, Uh, draft watch never stops and Syracuse for I think the first time in a while has multiple legitimate draft candidates and you know so let's get right into it we'll start with Mikel Jones he he flirted with it a little bit considered entering the draft this past year elected to come back which I think was a good decision for his draft stock where Mm -hmm. is he right now on draft boards what are his strengths and weaknesses where do you see him right now
1: yeah, he's a kid that I've actually been following for a long time. I actually went down to the IMG Academy Media Day when he was a senior in high school, when he was, I think mean, that was the Evan Neal, Noah Kane, Trey Sanders, Nolan Smith year. And I mean, I've always been kind of really intrigued by just his skill set. And I remember it was I think it was his sophomore year. He had a kind of a breakout campaign. And I think he wore number 13 back then, if I remember correctly. I think he's number three now, but Correct. he's a really rangy will type, right? Like he's not the the most physically imposing player as far as like he's not the biggest kid in the world. I think on the next level, he projects to be, you know, true pursuit player, but I mean, the kid just has a knack for making plays, man. Whether that's tackles for loss, interceptions and coverage, pass breakups, like he has just that knack for understanding how to navigate space. And with how the NFL is now, that is we're going to create and manipulate space as much as possible. I think Mikel fits perfect into the modern NFL game. And I don't think that he's ever going to be a kid that, you're going to say you're a Mike linebacker and I'm going to get you to come downhill and and be that kind of enforcer type. But as a will backer that navigates space and really brings something in coverage, I think he's got upside in, in that regard. So I, I'd say that he's firmly in the midday three type of conversation right now. I know he just had a really nice year for Syracuse. It's all going to be about him is... You know, in, improvement as far as can you gain a little bit more pl- uh, play strength? Can you play the point of attack a little more? But then you really, he really needs to showcase his athleticism when, if he's at the combine or the pro day, whatever the circuit is that he ends up kind of taking in draft process. But I, I mean, I would be shocked just watching his film if he wasn't a good athlete because he certainly looks like a good athlete on the football field. So I'm a fan of Mikel Jones. I think he's one of the better uh, linebackers coming into this class as far as the seniors are concerned. And I think he's got a lot of athletic upside to work with.
0: And it's really interesting because the fact that you project him as a will at the next level, but he's playing middle linebacker at Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, but I think having that experience calling plays and running a defense, because he's their quarterback as defense, I think that helps him, right? From a um, more of a, not a physical trait standpoint, but a leadership off the field, intangible standpoint. The fact that he has some of that experience th- does that help him at all when teams are evaluating?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you want you want great communicators on the second level, you know, and it's I mean, obviously the Mike is always the red dot right of the defense. That's kind of how they're always, you know, kind of looked upon. So any any plus side in, in that attribute is is a huge. For, there's no doubt about it. The uh, I think the only I don't call it a hindrance because I think that he's going to be a goodwill on the next level. But the reason that he's not going to play Mike is because you've seen some smaller Mike linebackers now, right? Like sure. you see the Darius Leonard's of the world, even. Uh, Fred Warner although he's taller he's a very skinny player in the middle of the San Francisco defense so you've seen Mike's kind of take a step back as far as the size attributes it's just the play strength that I think is the reason that I think he's just more of a will and the pursuit uh, ability that he has but yeah I think that he's a kid that he's got some speed to him he's got decent length I think he's got some length in his arms he's not the tallest kid of all time but I think plus the upside as a special teamer and then the communication aspect of everything like I think he's a kid that has shown to be dependable player for Syracuse because I know things around him haven't always been the best from a consistency perspective, but he's been, you know, kind of a beacon of consistency over the last couple of years for the Orange.
0: Yeah, going through multiple defensive coordinators um, in that time. So now let's transition to the other side of the ball in the offensive line. I know offensive line has not been a strength of Syracuse the last couple of years, uh, despite the, the year that Running back Sean Tucker, who we'll get to in a little bit, despite the year that he had offensive line has has been an issue for Syracuse the last couple of years. But one strength in that offensive line has been Matthew Bergeron. He's a really interesting prospect. And I heard you talking about him um, on your podcast a little bit when you were evaluating the running backs, making a note that he's an interesting prospect. So um, I'm curious where he stands in the NFL prospect landscape. What are his prospects of getting drafted um, at this point?
1: I think they're great. I think they're really, really great. To be honest, I I, I slapped a preseason fourth round grade on them, so I'm I'm wow. a fan of Matthew Bergeron. I, I think there's a lot of upside there, man. Because like offensive tackle, especially, is a, is a position that you're going to hear me talk about unteachables a lot, right? Like, I mean, I don't, I have become less and less, I, I've started to care a lot less about what the finished product is as far as from a technical perspective because I, that is just such a trait driven position nowadays you know you need the length you need the athleticism and i think matthew has it all man like he's six five plus he's got a clean frame i'd say he's got 34 inch arms maybe plus in that regard so i think he's a lengthy kid and i think he's got really good foot quickness gets up to the second level well obviously syracuse runs a lot of outside zone with tucker so i mean he's moving to the second level he's moving laterally doing a lot of really good things and he's really solid in pass pro as well And probably my favorite thing about Bergeron, which was the reason I just kept writing his name down, was I I think he has some great grip strength. When he gets inside of you, I mean, there is no breaking that grip. And I think that there is an improvement that needs to happen from a core strength perspective. You know, I think his hands are really strong, but I think his core can get a little stronger. I think his lower base could get a little stronger as well. So there's – upside to that perspective of like hey maybe he could be a gap power scheme down the road but right now i see him as a very um, outside scheme type uh, offensive tackle has some great movement skills can be a plus pass blocker i really like matthew man i think that right now i would slot him early day three but i think he could be one of the risers in the offensive tackle class because i think he has a lot of skills that the nfl is really going to cover he's got length He's got athleticism. He has foot quickness. Like whenever you have that flexibility and foot quickness to you at offensive tackle, I think you're going to have fans around the league.
0: Now he plays left tackle at Syracuse, but when you're projecting him to the next level, do you think he slots in more on the right side or could he be a left tackle blindside protector type?
1: Yeah, I think it's becoming more and more interchangeable to be honest with you. I mean, there used to be a much more like clean indication between blindside and right tackle. But I think nowadays, like you need, both guys to be a strength of your team nowadays. But I would say I think that there's no reason that he can't play right tackle, but I think that there's no reason also that you need to worry about moving him if he's if he's at home at left tackles. I think he has all the traits. Usually if I'm moving a guy from left tackle to right tackle, it's because maybe he's not quite as good a pass blocker as you would want at the position on the blind side. But I don't think there's any I don't think there's any shortcomings from an athleticism perspective. I think that he can play there, think he can play right tackle in a pinch. I even think that if you develop that power profile, he might even be a, a zone-blocking scheme guard down the line because I think he has those abilities to get it work up to the second level and he's got that grip strength. So I think there's some versatility to Matthew Bergeron, but I don't think that he lacks in any athleticism, so I think that he can stick at left tackle long-term.
0: And there's nothing wrong with having a star right tackle as a fan of Philadelphia Eagles who have one in Lane Johnson. So nothing wrong with that at all. Back to the defensive side of the ball, and one of my favorite players on the team, Garrett Williams. I think a lot of people – Going into last season, if you had said that he'd be back for this year, would be surprised. I think he had some maybe outside buzz is potentially getting up into the first or second round with a really good year last year. He had some injuries and didn't have the same level of production and and those types of things. Where is he viewed now as an NFL draft prospect ever have after having a little bit of a down year based on what his expectations were in 2021?
1: Yeah, I was one of those guys that I thought that maybe with a big rise, he could be a late first round type of player. But I mean, I had a second round grade on him last summer, and I think that there's – a lot of upside to Garrett Williams, you know, and I think that he is a player that right now is probably viewed somewhere on day two, right? So rounds two or three, I think is a pretty safe assumption. Like you said, he, he was, a, he did, you know, obviously think about entering the draft that he actually talked to me a little bit before he obviously made his ultimate decision to head back to school, which was, you know, pretty cool that he, I guess, respected my opinion to a degree, but I think that he, from a skill position, uh, skill perspective, I think he's got as as good instincts at the position as I maybe have seen over the last couple years, man. Like, he's got... Great zone awareness. He uh, understands how, how to play leverage game in, in man-to-man coverage. Not the biggest corner of all time, but plenty of speed, really good foot quickness. I think he's a player that could work a little bit inside and out, play in the slot a little bit if you need him to. Kind of like an interchangeable piece, You know, playing on the outs- outside corner and then moving inside the nickel. So I'm a big fan of him. I know when I talked to him before, he models his game after Jair Alexander, which I think they're, they're from the same the same town, if I remember correctly. So I, I I really have always liked Garrett a ton. I think he's a safe day two player. There's not anything maybe flashy about him, but I think it's just that the sum of every part that he has, I would just be very surprised if long-term Garrett Williams isn't a really solid starting cornerback at least on the next level.
0: Yeah. One of those low, low floor guys, even if he maybe mm-hmm. doesn't have, you know, as high of a ceiling as some other guys, but less of a bust potential if you draft him in round two or three.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that really says it perfectly. And you need those guys. I mean, you, you're always kind of re- reaching for the ceiling for like the cornerback one types, but the guys right. that are the really good cornerback twos are usually the guys that, that don't have that high ceiling, but you can see the floor. Like, you know, that that's what you're getting on a player like Garrett Williams. So maybe he's only a really good number two at the next level. But with how the NFL has evolved now into the past happy league, that te- that player is very important. So I, I think he's going to play football on the next level for a long time. And I think he could surprise some people and kind of carve out a long niche as a starter.
0: Yeah, I mean, a good CB2 at the next level can play for a lot of years and make a lot of money. So there's absolutely, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now we'll get to... The coup de gras, the guy that Syracuse fans think should be a Heisman contender going into next year. Sean Tucker, the man, the myth, the legend, set a single season rushing record at Syracuse last year. We know some legends that they've had at the running back position, and he had a better year than all of those guys did. Obviously, more games, different era, et cetera. But um He's he's just he's the best player on the team. I think we all know that Um, he's extremely talented. Let's get a little bit of a scouting report on what he is. I know running back in terms of the draft isn't valued um, as much as other positions are, but, you know, we'll start with the scouting report, maybe a player comp if you got one and uh, where you think he sits in terms of his draft stock.
1: Yeah. He's a really interesting player. I, I remember the first time I actually saw him was when he played, cause I cover Notre Dame football. So it was actually right. his freshman year when he broke like that 70 yard touchdown or whatever it was. I was like, yeah, It was the last ooh. game
0: of the season. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he, I was just like, Oh, who's that kid? Cause that kid was just moving out of different gear at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you do your research, you see one 55 meter, you know, indoor runner. And he's, he's a really athletic kid. That's, you know, ran track at Syracuse too. So the, the thing that surprises you a little bit is I think he's a little bit of a tougher runner than like a track football guy that you would originally anticipate. I mean, he's about 209, 210 pounds and he's a pretty solidly built kid. I actually see and this one's going to be a weird count for some people. I think they're kind of going to go like, huh? but he kind of reminds me of Rashard Mendenhall a little bit coming out of Illinois, you know, okay. and, and he's a little smaller. Yeah. He's a little smaller than Mendenhall, but like Mendenhall was a really good straight line player and he just had a no nonsense approach. And that's what I think we have with Tucker here. Like, Really nice speed. Quickness is good. But the thing about Sean Tucker that I love is they run a lot of outside zone. And I mean, that kid sticks his foot in the ground and he is going like he, there's no nonsense to his approach as a running back. Right. So I think that he has a really nice style. And it's, it, it's very interesting for the running back position, because for me, it's simply the teams that run that specific se- uh, system. So the wide zone. So we're talking about the San Francisco 49ers, New York jets, like that brand of football, those teams are the ones that are going to value him the most. So could he be a third round pick, second round pick? It's possible if those teams kind of value him, but I think that there's going to be some teams that are just, you know, is he a true power system runner? Maybe not. Is he a full-time inside zone guy? Probably not, but like inside zone mixed with some outside zone with that home run speed. I like Tucker a ton. I really do. I think he's been durable. He's been dependable and he's got breakaway speed. So in that system, I think he's got starter upside and, Maybe, maybe a pro bowler. I mean, it's potential there. Cause I mean, you can't, you can't teach that athleticism that he has. He's got some special traits to him
0: and yeah, Rashard Mendenhall, you know, he, he was only in the league. I don't know what, six, seven years, something like that, but he yeah. had about a three to four year window where he was really good. He was, mm-hmm. you know, not the best running back in the league, but one of the better running backs in the league and was on some really good Pittsburgh Steeler teams. Um, so yep. You know, it's, it's an interesting comp, and, and we'll see how it plays out. I know he hopes that he probably sticks in the league a little bit longer than, than Richard <laughs> sure. did, but, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm really interested to see how some of these guys do. You know, Notre Dame and Clemson are going to be probably the two most talented teams with the most um, pro prospects on, on their team. So those two games in particular, I think these guys are going to have an opportunity to showcase themselves, and maybe especially a guy like a Matthew Bergeron, Trying to up his stock with the pass rushers that he's going to be facing uh, against yeah. Notre Dame and Clemson. So you know how, how much how much does that factor in when you're looking at risers and fallers when they're playing against teams like that, Syracuse, Notre Dame. And yes, everyone's going to expect Notre Dame to win. I think that's obvious. But sure. some of these individual matchups that can affect your draft stock.
1: No, it's it's massive. You know, usually scouts at, le- at least for the most part they try to. Their, their selection of games they watch, they try to watch it chronologically. They try to start, you know, beginning of the season, go to the middle of the season and go to the end. So they can kind of see the progression of a football player because that's a way to, you know, kind of understand what the growth potential might still be to see how much they've grown over a season. Right. So the team, the games that they're going to put on, though, like you said, is Clemson's going to be in 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 there. Notre Dame is going to be in there. They're going to watch these players against the best possible competition they play, what's closest to NFL caliber competition. So for Matthew Bergeron specifically, I mean, I think of he's going to face Miles Murphy from Clemson. He's going to face Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame. He's going to see potentially two first-round picks at defensive end right there. So that's going to be huge for him. Sean Tucker having games against that uh, Notre Dame defense that's going to be fast and that Clemson front seven that's going to be extremely fast with – You know, like I said, Miles Murphy and Brian Brissy and Trenton Simpson and there's dudes everywhere. So those games are are, those games are are paramount, man. They are. Those are the games that everyone is going to be watching for Matthew Bergeron, for Sean Tucker, for Garrett Williams. They're going to see a matchup against the best because, I mean, I think there's a disclaimer out there that some people think that the, the. NFL scouts are watching every single game of a player. No, I mean, they don't, they don't have time for that, right? They're watching three to four games and they're moving on. So if you're watching three to four games, you're going to make sure that you are watching them against the absolute best. So it is absolutely paramount that they have good um, good showings in those games because that's the games that are going to stick with NFL scouts for sure.
0: Well, and, and to that point about not watching every single game, right? So Syracuse also has Wagner on the team. Right? Everyone plays an FCS team. What are you yeah. going to learn about Sean Tucker and Matthew Bergeron against Wagner? Honestly, not too
1: much. Nope. Not too much. Exactly. You're, you're um, the alert where Wagner's located. That's about <laughs> that's, it, though. <laughs>
0: exactly right. Uh, Ryan, I really appreciate your time. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and, and find all of your draft content? And I know, obviously, uh, for those interested in the Notre Dame perspective leading into that game um, that you that you cover them and recruiting and scouting for them as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mike. Again, I appreciate you having me on. So if you want to go to my Twitter, it's at rise and draft. You can also check out risendraft.com. I try to keep everything as simple as possible. It's, you know, really a, a kind of a nerd out sex, uh, session for any NFL draft geeks out there, right? Like, I keep the database, podcasts, um, uh, prospect database, the uh, mock draft simulator, like, everything's on there that you could possibly want from an NFL draft perspective. If, if you want to check out some Notre Dame content before the Syracuse game, you can go to irishbreakdown.com. It's on Sports Illustrated. And, uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's going to be fun to check out the season, man. It's It seems like it's been football for – I mean, it hasn't been football for so long now, so I'm just – itching to get back into the <laughs> to the swing of things, man. Summer scouting is already killing me a little bit, to be honest.
0: Oh, me too. I'm I'm excited <laughs> about training camp being here shortly, and and all of that for sure. And and for all of our listeners, that's Rise and Draft with an N, not the word and. So R I S E N D R A F T. That's his Twitter account and his website. But make sure you you go check that out. Not only just if you're curious, you know, for following Ryan and and what the Notre Dame perspective is in that game. But everyone has a favorite NFL team, right? So Go check it out, see who the draft prospects are, and then you can go back, which is what I do after I see the Eagles full draft class. I go back and look at the database and and take a look, and, and it helps you evaluate and get excited or upset about your team as well. Brian, really appreciate your time. Thanks for stopping by. Absolutely, Mike. Appreciate you, man.